this evening's class. To all Zoom participants, please mute your mic and block your cameras. Thank you. Welcome to another lecture given by the Charlotte, North Carolina Zoom class. This is a school and not a church, and neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. This school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh, our Elohim, and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern, and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley, in the state of Ohio in the year of 1931. We hold classes in the United States, Canada, and certain other foreign countries. The Charlotte, North Carolina Zoom class was established in the year of August of 2020. In this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title of the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The true name of the Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The true title of the Word or Son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God. The name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Lord and God are titles and not names. The Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and God's many, but we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. That means Elohim is the title that our creator chose for himself. Jesus is a name, but it is an erroneous name, a minor investigation on your part and any good dictionary or encyclopedia will prove that neither the Hebrew language, the Greek language, nor the Latin language have any characters or letters in their alphabet that would produce the sound that is made by this letter J. Neither was there a letter J in the English language until some 1400 years after the Messiah's death. Therefore, such names as Jesus and Jehovah are impossible renderings of the true and original name of our father and his son. Christ is a title, just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit. And in this state, he is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, limits and bounds of everything. We have Yahweh in his pure spirit state symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud to symbolize himself because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape or form. We have drawn this cloud all around the edges of this chart to show you that everything on this chart is within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh, knowing that man could not perceive of him in this pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself 
as Elohim. This is the word or son, a super incorporeal being that is having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form can only be seen in divine visions and understood in divine revelation. Later on, this self-same spirit manifested himself in a physical body and walked the earth plane as Yahshua the Messiah, whom the world calls Jesus Christ. Now there's only one name given unto salvation, and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question that we should ask ourselves is, what was the name of the Savior during the time he walked the earth plane? A further understanding of this name and title may be obtained by reading the preface of the Holy Name Bible. Also in, at this school, we teach by divine pattern of the universe. It is called the divine pattern because it is Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he called Moses atop Mount Sinai and showed him the tabernacle pattern in a vision. Yahweh instructed Moses to build one exactly like it in the wilderness of Sinai. The pattern consists of a most holy place, a holy place, and a court round about. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof that everything in the universe is made and operates according to the structure and function of this threefold tabernacle pattern and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. Our primary constitution objectives and aims of the Bible class are as follows. First, to help you find and know Yahweh, our Elohim, as he really is and actually exists. Second, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah with the hope, without the distinction of race, nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Third, to investigate the unexplained spirit laws or so-called law of nature and the powers latent in man. Fourth, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religion, psychology, philosophy, modern, practical, and occult science. Fifth, to extirpate current superstition, skepticism, and ignorance. Six, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensation and ages. Seventh, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time. Eighth, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith, which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Ninth, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained, there is no other name given whereby man must be saved, saving the name of Yahshua the Messiah. And 10th, to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah with the hope of immortal glorification in the new earth state. Our watchword is peace and our slogan is speak the truth.
We will begin class with the prayer given by Dr. Ruth Samuel. We will have a song selection and we will have the scripture read by Dr. Katonia Parks and the scripture lesson will be Hebrews, the 12th chapter. Dr. Samuel. Good evening. Good evening. Let us all bow our heart and mind and in a moment of prayer and thanksgiving to our heavenly father, Yahweh, through his son, Yahshua, the Messiah, we are so thankful that Yahweh has seen fit to show us that we are a part of his body and that he is keeping us stable in these times. And we, we may be down, but we, we're not out. Yahweh is, is holding on to us, through his son, Yahshua. Yahshua is holding on to us. And we hope tonight that Yahshua will show us some things that maybe we haven't quite understood yet, you know, just his mysteries. And we're thankful for the ministers that he has put that spirit in to be able to explain some of these things to us so we can understand because we all are just one body in him and he just showed me that at the seminar and I'm so grateful to see that I'm I'm grateful for all of everyone I'm grateful that he keeps opening up my understanding and not closing it down so all these blessings we would like to say hallelujah in Yahshua's name hallelujah hallelujah
lesson, I'll be reading Hebrews, the 12th chapter, and I'll be reading from the Holy Name Bible, containing the Holy Name version of the Old and New Testaments, critically compared with ancient authorities and various manuscripts, revised by A.B. Trena, the Scripture Research Association, Incorporated, and reprinted by Yashua Promotions. That's Hebrews, the 12th chapter. Therefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which do so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Yahshua, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, 
despised the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of Yahweh. For consider him that endures such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be weary and faint in your minds. You have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children, my son, despise not thou the chastening of Yahweh, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom Yahweh loveth, he chasteneth, and scorns every son whom he receiveth. If you endure chastening, Yahweh dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if you be without chastisement, or of all partakers, then you are bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh, which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirit and live? For they verily for a few days chasten us after their own pleasure, <clears throat> but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemed to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceful fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore, lift up thy hands which hang down, and thy feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Follow peace with all men, and holiness, without which no man shall see Yahweh. Looking diligently, lest any man fall of the grace of Yahweh, lest any root of bitterness spring up and trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Let there be let there be any, lest there be any fornicators or profane person, as Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. For you are not common to the mount that might be touched and that burned with fire nor unto blackness and darkness and tempness, and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of the words, which voice that they heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them any more, for they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. But you are come unto Mount Zion and unto the city of the living Elohim, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and congregation of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to Yahweh, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Yahshua the Messiah, and to Yahshua the mediator of the new covenant and to the blood of sprinkling that speak of better things than that of Abel. See that you refuse not him that speaketh, for if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven, and this word, Yet once more, signifying the removing of those things that are shaken, as of the things that are made, 
that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve Yahweh acceptably with reverence and fear, for our Elohim is a consuming fire. That's Hebrews, the 12th chapter. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And thank you, Dr. Ruth Samuel, for the beautiful prayer, and Dr. Katonia Parks for the scripture lesson. Before I call on our first speaker for tonight, our readers for tonight will be Dr. Roxanne Russo and Dr. Katonia Park. And to our speakers, we have, we'll have a three-speaker format. And a sign will appear on the screen to let you know that you have five minutes remaining of your allotted time. Please acknowledge that you have seen the sign. Thank you. Tonight, is, it is an honor and a pleasure to call on for our first speaker, we'd like to call on Dr. Frank Damaski from our Syracuse, New York class. Dr. Damaski. Good evening, everyone. Can you hear me okay? Good evening. Good evening. Yes. yes. Uh, let's start. Uh, when I hear Hebrews 12 and I hear about witnesses, the thing that comes into my mind now is grace. Because when I first came to this class, the thing that kept me here was people getting up on the floor and speaking and saying, don't believe me because I'm saying it. Make me prove it to your satisfaction. And then it became the theme song of the school and that scripture of Romans 1, 19 and 20. Can we get that, please? Because before coming into class, you know, uh, I had I had eyes to see, but I saw what I wanted to see. And it was according to my theories, my concepts, and my opinions. But by mercy and grace, this gospel will change the way you see things. Romans 1 and 19. Because that which may be known of Yahweh is manifest in them. For Yahweh hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. Okay, Even his... okay. I want you to read it again, and I'm going to inter interrupt you, okay? Yep, no problem. Romans 1 and 19. Because that which may be known of Yahweh... Okay, stop is... right there. Mm -hmm. Because uh, how I was raised, I was raised a Roman Catholic. And I was told that you really couldn't know anything about God until you die. Mm -hmm. And come, and by mercy and truth, I, I was pulled out of that and understand that uh, I didn't know what life and death was until coming to this class and sitting before this gospel. Mm -hmm. I'll read on. Because that which may be known of Yahweh is manifest in them. Right. For so Yahweh. Can be known. Read on. For Yahweh hath showed it unto them. Stop right there. For you figured it out yourself. That you decided you had the intelligence that, oh, this is easy. I, I see this. I understand this. No. Yeah. You physically understood it, but it didn't become eternal inside of you until Yahshua gave you that revelation. 
for now it's not only information, it, it, it's part of you. You understand and recognize by a simple pattern how things are made and how it reflects your creator and not the creature. Read on, please. 20. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. Okay, stop right there. Now we're going we're leaning more towards Hebrews 12 again because uh, let's go there again too. Wherefore? Hebrews 12 and, 12 and, and, and 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about so great a cloud of witnesses. Stop right there. So wherefore, that's when you say wherefore, that means something's been established already. Right. Read on. Um, wherefore, See? seeing we we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let right. us lay aside every weight and the sin which do so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. So stop right there. Let's get back to seeing again, because you, we have to come to understand and recognize that our, our salvation, we can't have any part of establishing our own salvation. It's all by mercy. It's all by grace. It's all by Yahshua. Mm -hmm. Opening up our eyes. We didn't know our eyes could see, but we didn't see spiritual things. Uh, our ears could hear, but we didn't. it didn't become in, internal. It didn't penetrate our core of our understanding. We, we didn't see our creator. We saw our own theories, our own concepts, and our own opinions. But by mercy and grace, he, he has opened those things to us by a simple threefold pattern. I read it again, uh, 12, and then I'm going to get back to Romans 119. So, wherefore, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let so us lay cloud. Everything we see, we, I never understood or, or re realized before coming in this class that everything in the creation, first of all, I didn't realize that that uh, my God was a was an old great gray haired dude in the sky sitting in a in a throne and had a baby on his lap and a, and a dove flying around. I had no understanding at all. That was my theories. That was my concept. That was my opinion. That was the the Damasi religion, and I thought it was just fine. I thought I wasn't killing anybody. I didn't steal. You know, I I thought well, I'm going to have it. I didn't know what heaven was. I didn't know what life was. I didn't know what death was. Mm -hmm. Like like we were taught, when we came into this class, each and every one of us, we were alive physically, but spiritually we were dead as doornails because each and every one of us had our own our own theories and our own concepts and our own opinions. Mm -hmm. And only by grace that now wherefore we see we're we're surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses, witnesses that show forth not ourselves but show forth our creator. And that's what eternal life is. Let's get it. John 4, 24. Or is it 23? I forget. Because that's what eternal life is, is to know. When John 17. Yeah, no, John 4, 24. John 4, 24. John 4 and 24. Yahweh is spirit. Oh, no. Okay. 
Yeah, sorry. you want 17 and three. Yeah, I want 17 and three. Yeah. John 17 and three. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true Yahweh and Yahshua, whom thou hast sent. But before coming in, in the class, we didn't know what life was because we didn't know anything about anything. We had our own our own ideas. And you know, we sat down, and that's why this, how this purpose is so beautiful because, you know, why do we come and why do we have class? Because we're hoping that we don't know that one soul somewhere out there in Zoom land that's listening, all of a sudden a light bulb is going to go off, and they're, they're sitting there dead as a doornail spiritually. And all of a sudden, wow, your creator has a name and it's important. Wow, there's covenants that old and new and, and there's only one name on the salvation. All these things have come become present in your life. And, and all of a sudden your, your values and your priorities are changed. You didn't do it on yourself. You can't just decide one time I'm going to change my priorities, you know. I'm going to try. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be the spearhead of this. Well, you're going to fail eventually. It's just like Jesus. You know, Jesus will set you free. Yeah, he'll set you free for a week, a, a day, a year. But you're going to get caught. But you're set free. There's a chance of being being caught again. This gospel makes you free. You'll never no more be the same. Once your eyes are open to this gospel, you cannot go back to the way you were in your old theories, your own concepts, and your own opinions you can't do it he has changed you inside he has done it not you uh, go back to romans 119 again and then I'll romans 1 1 and 19 because that which may be known of yahweh is manifest in them for yahweh hath showed it unto them for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and supernal nature, so that they are without excuse. See, and that's the difference between us and the world is that we can see something that's invisible clearly by a manifestation. And when the world, they get stuck in a manifestation and they can't get past that to see the principle that it's trying to portray. And again, it wasn't our intelligence and it wasn't our abilities that, that allowed this to occur. This is the Holy Spirit in us. That's the kingdom. That's the spiritual um, heavenly Jerusalem. That That's your personal Pentecost occurring right within your soul. Your soul, your heart is being converted. Your eyes are, now you can spiritually see things. Your ears, now you can hear things. It used to amaze me when I would sit in class and and a lecture was, was presented and it was so beautiful. And I was just, uh, just um, high and, and, and just so happy and enjoyed it. And thought, well, that new person that was there, man, they, they had to, they had to love that, and they would just walk out and not hear a thing and never come back. And it, you know, nothing. It, it, it got to do. If anything, it, it's going to do. It's got to humble you because you realize that you, what you're no better. I, I can only speak of me. I'm no better than no one else. 
and how these things are so important to me, but yet people you love, you know, you want them to hear, you want them to, to see the importance of this gospel, but it's not your purpose. It's Yahweh's purpose. You know, my infamous story, I would, I would put some of my family members in a headlock and I would get a, a plunger with like Yahweh and I would try and shove it down their throat and make them hear. And they, all they thought was I was a, some lunatic. They didn't get it. But it's only by grace that we appreciate and see this gospel and understand. I uh, read on. Let's go back to the scripture. Hebrews 12. And she ended up with, uh, well, she started with verse one and we didn't finish it. You want me to start there? Yeah, just let us let us lay aside. Okay. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. See, again, it... what's, what's going to occur is we're not going to have that ability. It's going to be Yahshua in us changing our nature. Because do you have the, the script or the chart with the, the three hearts, the stony heart, and then the, the brain chart? Yeah, that, that one. Because that's how we were when we came into class. Look at that old knight. Look at that stony heart. No feeling, like like brute beast, no no conscience. We didn't we had no concern of anything but ourselves. Our God was our belly. What we wanted. We had no as long as we thought we didn't hurt nobody else, that everything was fine. And but we were the center of our own universe. And by mercy and grace, we got we were break from the found before the foundations of the world. We were called unto this God. He knew us before we were. Let's get that. Ephesians 1 and what's that, 4? The foundations of the world. Ephesians 1 and 4. According as he hath chosen us before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Yahshua the Messiah to himself, according to his good pleasure of his will. Right, his purpose. We had no understanding or idea of, of our creator or our creator's purpose. We had our own purpose. We wanted to pursue fame. We wanted to pursue riches. We wanted to pursue uh, what we thought was, was love. All these things, but it was all for personal gain. It had nothing to do with divine love. And our heart was, was made of stone. But again, it's like your, your creator, before anything was, he formulated a purpose. And in that purpose, he knew and he derived each and every one of those souls that he was going to save. And he's the potter. He could make he's the he can make vessels under honor, and he makes vessels under dishonor. That's just his purpose. And what happened is he knew us. He knew those souls before they even were. He knew them. He knew which ones he was going to save. And how was he going to do it? By the foolishness. <coughs> Excuse me. Of preaching this gospel. 
preaching the death. He had to come in. He had to start a covenant. He couldn't. He knew they couldn't keep. He had to come in. He had to fulfill it. He had to come in and die. That death of an outcast dog, he had to shed his blood. And he had to, re he had to be buried. He had to resurrect. And then 50 days later, that very spirit that was in him was put in men. And was put in men on a permanent um, it's not a permanent, it's not temporary like it was in the old covenant. That old carnal ordinances, it was physical, it was outwardly. They're trying to tell you that you got to go into water and clean yourself and be baptized. Water don't clean you without soap. How's it going to clean you inside? This gospel will clean you inside out. That's what, that's what this preaching of this gospel will do. It'll convert your soul. And that's what the purpose is, is to be fruitful and to multiply. And, and the most, you know, I, I remember, especially in our class in Syracuse when we had our split, that there were people that are in another class that separated from our class that believed that, that they didn't have a soul, that uh, their soul, they had to throw their soul away and have a burst on somewhere come fly back into them. And, you know, it's just sad. And, and you, 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 the only thing you could do is hope and pray that somehow, some way, in Yahweh's purpose, that they'll repent from that and come back to their first love. And we would welcome them with, with a red carpet and open arms. But that's Yahweh's purpose, it's not ours. But that's the difference between covenants. That, that old covenant, was, it was physical. It was temporal. It didn't do anything for your conscience. You're always that's why I was an altar boy from nine years old to 14. And I couldn't make a 15-minute walk from my house to the church without needing confession. And the priest would look down on you if you didn't take your the cracker during the mass because you're kind of implying that you're a sinner. And you know, you, you're wearing uh the white robe and uh and the red vestment. And you know you're looking like you're all uh, all that, and you're not taking it in the cracker. And I I was blaming myself. I I didn't know that I didn't know. I was I was a prisoner. Under I was in bondage unto having a condemned conscience, and only by grace again this gospel will do it. It'll convert you. It'll make you see and never no more can I go back to that. Now I understand and know. That now in this in this day, why well, he died? He died that death of an outcast dog that conquered death on the grave. So now in this day in this age, by the preaching of this gospel, a soul that's dead as a doornail be sitting there and going to be going right from death right unto life just by hearing of this gospel because he predestined and set it up that way. And it's all we could do is 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 lay our, our spiritual lives down and hope that some soul somewhere will hear. And, and it'll do just that. Go from death right on to life. Well, let's get back to the scripture. Hebrews 12. Two. Yeah, um, two. Looking unto Yahshua, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of Yahweh. Just explaining Yahweh's purpose. Why? What did he do? Why did he die? He had to come in. He had to fulfill a covenant that he knew they couldn't keep. They didn't have the heart in them. 
This is this gospel is all about a heart. It's all about a heart. And I worked 30 years in a jail, and I know what a brute beast is. I know what a stony heart is. I know what a person could be uh, alive and breathing and have not a drop of conscience, have a, a heart of stone, and, and would kill you and cut, cut your throat and wouldn't lose a wink of sleep. That's just a manifestation of showing it, it should we should recognize and appreciate the nature that's been instilled in us. And it's only by Yahshua that that's going to occur. We can't do that on our own. We can't just decide. So, read on. Verse 3. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be worried and faint in your mind. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of Yahweh, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom Yahweh loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every man whom he receiveth. Right. You know, I, I used to think that, uh, you know, before coming to class, that uh, well, as I first came into class, that if you had the Holy Spirit, then all of a sudden you sprouted a halo and you had wings and you would fly around and and you you would not struggle, you would not have pain, you would not have misery, you would just the life would you know you have understanding, so it was just great. That's not how it works. It's Romans one nineteen and twenty it has to be part of everything when. There's a birth in you that you don't automatically start smoking a cigarette and eating eating a, a T-bone steak. You're a babe. You're, there's going to be growing pains. There's going to be, you're going to make errors. But Dr. Kinley said that he wouldn't give a tinker's damn for a Holy Spirit that's not tested. And it's just, again, another Romans 1, 19 and 20 with steel. If you want to make steel stronger, you put it in the fire. You, you to try and get the iniquities out of the, the metal. Mm -hmm. And that's the same thing that's going on with us. But the difference with us is, is he's bound by his word. He says he'll never put us in a, in a position or a situation that we can't handle. And we, we understand, again, because the world values, they don't know what life is. They're valuing their physical life and all their physical well-being uh you know but we understand we're, we're we're in a different level of understanding mm -hmm. our biggest concern is not our flesh our wow already okay i got it five, five minutes our biggest concern is our spiritual understanding and our our, our love of the truth we're, we're not here to try and uh, uh look for our own physical personal glory all we want to do is we want to try and share the beauty and the love that has been given us. And we see that I, I always think of a, like when a, uh, if you're walking on a beach with someone you care for and it's at night and you look up and there's a falling star. What do you do? You, you, you say, hey, look at look at that star. Isn't that beautiful? You're not doing it for your own glory. You're doing it for them. You want them to see the same beauty that you see. That's what this gospel is about. It's about laying our, our spiritual lives down. There's, where is that? There's no greater love that the man has. 
I maybe John, I don't know. But I know it's in there. John 15 and 13. Can I have John, it said John 15 and 13. Um, uh, 12 for continuity. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Right. So now the people of the world are gonna read that and think, well, I'm, I'm going to take a bullet for my, my friend. Yeah, that's a manifestation of bravery, but that's not what he's talking about. Right. You know, we're all born to die physically, but we we want to try to avoid with everything, with all our hope is our second death, which would be our spiritual death. We don't want to endure a, a two deaths. Two births are good. Yeah, we birth physically, and then by mercy and grace, we're birthed spiritually. And then by by uh, being under the auspice of, of his purpose, uh, there's all different people that have different gifts, but it's all to the glory of Yahshua. It's all to the glory of this gospel. It's all to the glory of loving the truth. It's all to the glory of loving one another. There's nothing, one of my favorite scriptures is Psalms 133. Can I have that before I go? Psalms 133. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. There's nothing better when, when you're sitting in class and you and people are and gifted people are preaching this gospel and you're seeing it and understanding it and you're sharing it. Yeah. That's the kingdom. That's heaven. That's our strength. That's our stability. That's our salvation. That's our love. And, uh, and if we recognize and experience that, only thing that can come from that is being humble. Mm -hmm. and, and realizing the grace has been bestowed upon us. Mm -hmm. I hope someone got something out of it. I know it's probably chopped up. I'm not a really good speaker. I just want to give all honor and glory to Yahshua. And with that, I'll give up the floor. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And thank you, Dr. Frank Damaski. For our second speaker, it is an honor and a pleasure to call on Dr. Lester Embry from our Springfield, Ohio class. Dr. Embry. Good evening, class. Can you hear me? Good evening. Yes, yes we can. Good. I uh, am grateful to be here. I enjoyed the words of the previous speaker. I was thinking last week that I hadn't heard from Tony. I had seen her in class passing, but I hadn't heard from her uh, as far as uh, being invited to speak. And that was just last week. And then she called me yesterday. And I'm just too outdone. But nevertheless, uh, 
this is a great, great teaching. And this is a product of a divine vision and a divine revelation given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley in Springfield, Ohio in the year of 1931. And Dr. Kinley, just like the previous speaker stated, he wanted you to see what he saw. And he said, don't believe me because I said it, but make me prove it. And that's what Yahshua has done for us, his sons. He has proven himself over and over and over again to where he takes you captive. And you are now a prisoner of Yahshua the Messiah or life. It's not a bad prison as what we came out of. I had no idea of what I had stepped into. Tony and I, we came here when we were teenagers in high school. That was back in the 70s. And I did not know. All I knew was when they went to that tabernacle pattern and correlated the human body to that pattern, that there was something to this. I remember I was 14 years old. That was 1970. I was 14. And uh, I said, God, if this is the truth, please show me. And the speaker, he went into this tabernacle pattern. And, and I didn't know that Moses had seen this tabernacle pattern in a vision. He talked about the threefold nature of the tabernacle pattern, how it had a most holy place, a holy place, and a court roundabout, and the vessels in those compartments, and how your body is patterned after the tabernacle pattern. And I didn't understand it, but when they said the altar of sin sacrifice and the four points of blood, how your intestines correlates to that altar of sin sacrifice and your kidneys correlate to the brazen labor and the uh, cup of holy anointing oil, how your adrenal glands correlate to that. And then they went up into the holy place 
and they got the seven branch lampstand and they said your aorta has seven major branches and it correlates to that lampstand. And I was 14. And I have to tell y'all, when I was 14, I was full of marijuana. <laughs> and I said, what? So ever since then, I've been coming to this class. But I didn't know. See, if you come into the truth, what you've come unto is Yahweh himself. Uh, uh, as it says in the scripture lesson, uh, can you read uh, Hebrews 12 and 22? Hebrews 12 and 22. But ye are come unto Mount Zion and unto the city of the living Elohim, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. Thank you. You have come to all there is. But I didn't know that at the time. And see, I had things to do and places to go and people to see. See, I was listening to Sly and the Family Stone and, and that, that song he sings, Stan. And he says, there's a cross for you to bear, things to go through if you're going anywhere. But I didn't know that I had come to all there is when I came to this class. Let me have Exodus, the third chapter, and start at the first verse. Exodus 3 and 1. Now Moses kept the flock of Jephro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of Elohim, even to Horeb. And the angel of Yahweh appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. Okay, stop right there. Now Moses had come out of Egypt, and he had fled out of Egypt because he had killed a man that was smiting his Hebrew brethren. And Moses found out that this thing was known and that his life would be sought. So he fled out of Egypt. And when he fled, he, he see, he killed the man and he buried the man. And then he rose up and fled. See, Right there, there's a death, burial, and resurrection. And see, I, I did not know that this whole creation testifies of the death, burial, and resurrection of Yahshua the Messiah. I didn't understand the importance of that. So Moses, he uh, gets, gets married. 
and he tends his father-in-law's sheep. And he was tending his sheep and he leads the sheep to the backside of this mountain. Moses was just doing his job. And he did not know anything about Yahweh, just like us. So he goes to the backside of this mountain and he beholds a bush that is burning and is not being consumed. He is having a vision. See, Proverbs tells you without a vision, the people perish. Without Moses' vision, the children of Israel would not have made it out of Egypt. They would have perished because the same one that showed himself in that vision in the burning bush is the same one that brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, not Moses. They followed the cloud. So anyway, Moses is beholding this vision of this bush burning and not being consumed. Read. Third verse. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. Now Moses beholds this burning bush and it comes to him that he has to turn aside to see why this bush is burning and not being consumed. He had to turn aside everything that he knew about a bush, about fire, about uh, something on fire not being consumed. He had to turn all that aside, just like we have to turn aside what we think and what we've been taught about our creator. We have to turn all that aside and behold, read, And when Yahweh saw that he turned aside to see, Elohim called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. Now, when Yahweh saw, that's very important. When Yahweh saw that Moses turned aside, Elohim called unto Moses by name. Right. See, Elohim has called us by name. But I didn't know that. I just thought it was some nice men and women preaching down at the class. Mm -hmm. And I had things to do. Read on. And he, and he said, draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Now, Moses had to take his shoes off, or he bore his soul. 
Mm-hmm. And that's humility. See, before honor is humility. And when you come around here, you either get some humility or you go get humiliated. <laughs> See, so Moses, he, he took his shoes off his feet. See, he's in the presence of Yahweh. See, read. Moreover, he said, I am the Elohim of my father, the Elohim of Abraham, the Elohim of Isaac, and the Elohim of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look unto Elohim. See, Yahweh, Elohim, start name drop. And he had to get Moses' attention. Look, I'm the Elohim of your fathers, Moses. I'm the Elohim of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. See, Moses was familiar with him. He's not familiar with Yahweh Elohim. But now, Yahweh Elohim is introducing himself to Moses. And Moses realized what he's come upon, and he's afraid. Do you know that fear is the beginning of wisdom? When I come into this school, I was too dumb to be afraid. Didn't know anything about Yahweh. And as far as I knew, Yahweh was up above the sun, moon, and stars. And I'm down here, and he's up there, and I got things to do. Read. Seventh verse. And Yahweh said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. See, he 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 knows. He knows our sorrows, he knew the children of Israel's sorrow. And he's telling Moses, I am come down to deliver them out of the hands of Egypt. That's what he came to do. And he's letting Moses know this. See, Moses, he just got enlisted into the Salvation Army. Right. Like us. See, I had no idea of what I come into. I come in the presence of Yahweh Elohim as he really is and as he actually exists, not as I thought he was. See, and this is what's happening with Moses. See, these are examples for us to look at. I'm so grateful. For Romans 1, 19 and 20. Yes. Do you know that Romans 1, 19 and 20 is a tool that you can use forever? You can look at Romans 1, 19 and 20 and see some principles and understand Yahweh, not as we imagine, but as he really is and actually exists. Man, that's beautiful. I never thought 
never had a clue that I would know the truth. Because, you know, there were so many religions and doctrines and, and, and just my own concepts about God and what I thought. My wife, she's been uh, researching uh, Father Divine, Daddy Grace, all those people that came along during the time that uh, uh, Yahweh gave Dr. Kenley the vision. And man, these it's, uh, it's some interesting research that she's doing. But anyway, I digress. Uh, read on. Okay, and to bring them up out of the out of that land, unto a good land, and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites, and the Hevitites, and the Amorites, and the Parasites, and the Hivites, and all them sites. Now <laughs> therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Now Yahweh's telling Moses, I have seen the oppression. I have seen it. And I'm going to bring you out of that land into a land flowing with milk and honey. See, he's going to, the, the milk and honey represents the Holy Spirit. Read. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto, I will send thee unto Pharaoh that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Now he's saying, come now. See, he's already down there beholding. Mm -hmm. He's already in Egypt. I'm talking about Yahshua. He's down there beholding what's going on. And he's telling Moses, come on down. The mm -hmm. price is right. <laughs> right. Read. And Moses said unto Elohim, who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? See, and he's, <laughs> see Moses is like, uh, uh, he, he, he's like Dr. Gill. You know, uh, 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 Dr. Kinley had told Dr. Gill that he was going to be dean. And Dr. Mm -hmm. Dr. Gill said, said, Dr. Kelly, you made a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> See, and, and, and Moses is like, who, me? You want me to do what? See, that's like that's like me going to President Biden and telling, who am I? I'm nobody. See, right. and he's, he's, he's the ruler of the land. Mm -hmm. See, so Moses is like, who, me? Read on. And he said, certainly I will be with thee and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, you shall serve Elohim unto this mountain. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now look, it's very important for us to understand that Yahweh said, certainly I will be with thee. Because, see, we can't see Yahweh with our natural eyes. So sometimes when we get in dilemmas, we can't see him. We wonder 
Well, I put it on me. I wonder, Yahweh, are you with me today? I know better. But back then, I wonder, Yahweh, are you with me? Because I was always doing something I had no business doing and couldn't get out. And Yahweh always delivered me, see? But I didn't know all that then. See, certainly I will be with thee. And as a token, when you come up out of Egypt, you're going to serve me. See, they had to come out of Egypt out of bondage. They couldn't serve Yahweh in Egypt. They had to come up into the wilderness of Sinai or the holy place. That's where the light was. That's where the manna was. See, that's where the intercession is. See, they couldn't have any of that in Egypt. Mm -hmm. All it was in Egypt was darkness and death. See, so Yahweh in his infinite mercy and his infinite grace told Moses, certainly I will be with thee. Read. 13 verse. And Moses said unto Elohim, behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, the Elohim of your fathers has sent me unto you, they shall say to me, what is his name? What shall I say unto them? Now, see, Moses asked a question that I never was inspired to ask. Didn't know that Lord wasn't his name. I did not know that God was a title. Mm -hmm. Did not know that. See, I was in darkness. I was in bondage. I was enslaved by my ignorance. See, now Moses asked a very intelligent question. See, what is your name? Read. 14 verse, and Elohim said unto Moses, I hear Asheriah. And he said, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I will be has sent me unto you. Now and he Elohim said, will be has sent me unto you. Thus what this is what you're gonna tell the children of Israel? I will be has sent me unto you. Read. And Elohim said, Moreover, unto Moses, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, Yahweh, the Elohim of your fathers, the Elohim of Abraham, the Elohim of Isaac, and the Elohim of Jacob, has sent me unto you. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial unto all generations. Now, when I first heard that, and I mean, I heard it and I understood. That's in everybody's Bible. Yeah. That is in everybody's Bible, no matter what verse. But see, like the previous speaker said, it has to be revealed. See, I would see things like that, and I would think, well, if I can see this, anybody can see. But what I didn't understand 
was that through the preaching of the gospel and Yahshua the Messiah, it was revealed to me. It wasn't that I understood it. It was revealed. So I could go talk to some people and talk till I'm blue in the face. See, mm -hmm. which is what I used to try to do because I just knew they could see it because I see it. But it comes by revelation. And that that was a hard lesson for me. But I'm grateful. I am so grateful. The uh, uh, the scripture lesson talked about the chastisement and that how that a father loves his son, he's going to chastise. And I'm so grateful that Yahweh has kept me. See, he kept me when I didn't want to be kept. And see, you can't walk away from this if you wanted to because it's in you. This Holy Spirit is in you. And look, we are sealed. See, we are sealed. But we have to keep coming back. See, because we are flesh, we are carnal, and Yahweh is spirit. He's eternal. We are temporal. See, so we can only have a limited knowledge, but Yahweh is unlimited. Not only is he unlimited, he's omnipotent. See, he's everything that we need. But see, when we first come in here, we don't know a lot of stuff. We don't know about this teaching. And like the first speaker said, I've seen people come in and listen to the lecture and it made a lot of sense to me, but they get up and walk out and don't come back. I've seen people sit in this class for a year and then one day they just don't come back. Yeah. And you know, it's grace and mercy that that we sit here because I put my pants on just like they put their pants on, one leg at a time. They are no different than I am, see? So I'm very grateful to be here. I'm very grateful to have this knowledge because this knowledge has transformed my life, I never had peace. There was always war going on in my head. See, I never had just, you know, how the dust just settles when there's no rumbling, no fighting. And, and when there's rumbling and fighting, the dust kicks up and everything's get dusty and there's dust in the air, but then it settles when the fighting's over, see, and there's peace, see. Well, see, that's what I have now. See, I have peace that I never knew that I could have. I never knew this kind of peace, 
See? And so with that, I want to uh, yield the floor. And if you receive anything from anything I said, all praises and honor and glory, majesty, go to Yahshua the Messiah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, and thank you, Dr. Lester Emery. For our third speaker, it is an honor and a pleasure to call on the Dean of the Oceanside, California class, Dr. Dennis Volpe. Dr. Volpe? Okay, thank you very much. I want to, first of all, get a check to make sure everybody can hear me okay. You're good. Yes, yes. you're good. Okay, now I really thought that the testimonies of the first two speakers were very, you know, very heartfelt and sincere, and I feel that that's what this teaching does. It brings us to a level of sincerity within ourselves that we never knew before. And uh, as the second speaker said, he was talking about the difference between his heart before he understood the teaching and the difference not that he has now after now something's been revealed. Now, our scripture reading starts out talking about, uh, let's go back to our scripture reading, and then I'm going to take you right back over here to this Moses chart. So go ahead and start at 12.1. Hebrews 12 and 1. Wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, now listen, when he, us, set, when he starts out and says, wherefore seeing we are compassed about by so great a cloud of witness. Now, it takes this cloud of witnesses, ladies and gentlemen, to cause something to happen. And that cloud of witnesses is going to break down that hard head and hard heart that we walk in the door with. Now, I often liken it unto, uh, Dr. Kinley once made this statement. He said, now, the way you're born from above is the same way you were born from beneath. Now, when we understand anatomically how the birth process takes place, we know that the ovum that is within a woman that comes forth and it's into the fallopian tubes, that ovum has a harder uh, outside of it, if you will, that in order to be impregnated, it's got to be broken through. Something's got to get through that hard covering and penetrate into that ovum. And we know that Yahweh designed uh, the sperm, that on the head of the sperm, there's an enzyme that when it comes in contact with that uh, ovum, it is uh, using that enzyme to break down that hard shell so something can penetrate and cause, and what is it want, what, what is the purpose of it penetrating it, is to cause the ovum to undergo a massive change, to be able to take on a shape and form. Now, I like to look at that because of this reason, because when we walk in the door, we walk in here in a condition that Dr. Kinley talked about. He said, we walk in dead on arrival. He said, we come in here with a, with a carnal mind, 
a physical body and a satanic spirit, meaning not that you are a satanic spirit, but that you are in captivity to the mystery of iniquity. Now, Lester talked about how he's a prisoner of Yahshua the Messiah. Well, before we were in this teaching, we were unknowingly the prisoner of the mystery of iniquity. He was causing us to violate our conscience and to be concerned about the things of the flesh and not about the soul. Now, what I want you to see is in order for the change to start taking place, now, with that ovum, there's not just one sperm that goes, that ovum is much larger, of course, than a sperm. And therefore, there are millions of sperm that are in the process of trying to get into that egg, and it surrounds that egg, and they're working on it to break it down, and all it takes is one, just one to enter into that ovum to start a process of change to take place. Now, what we have is a plethora of witnesses in this teaching that the founder has made us conscious of that all those things that you read about down through your Bible are actually manifestational witnesses to the purpose of Yahweh. And what it takes, it just takes one thing to break through uh, your hard head when you walk in this door. And that, when that happens, when one principle, one uh, point that is being preached, all of a sudden the light comes on in you, that is now the beginning of you becoming a new creature. Now, I want to uh, mention that we can't just give one witness or just a couple of witnesses in your growth in this teaching. You are compassed about by a great cloud of witnesses. And every time, and somebody was talking about, I, don't, I think it was also Dr. Embry, he was talking about, uh, you know, the fact that uh, Romans 1, 19 and 20, knowing how to use that and apply that is crucial. Now, we used to say when I first came into this teaching that Romans 1, 19 and 20 was our theme song or our theme, you know, in other words, the scripture that we would go to because once you understand that everything in the natural creation and everything that was done back there in the Law and the Prophets all the way from Adam on down was a physical type and shadow or manifestation of something spiritual. Now that's why, let's just real quick go to Romans 1, 19 and 20 real quick, please. Romans 1 and 19. Because that which may be known of Yahweh is manifest in them. Now, now, right there, the very first thing we read in Romans 1.19 is actually directing itself to the first aim of the school. Now, when I came into the school, the aim read a little bit different than, it, than it's read now, but it read that uh, to help you find and know Yahweh as he actually is and truthfully exists. Now, we understood because the founder made us cognizant of the fact that Yahweh exists in a state. Uh, go back over to the Moses chart again, please. That Yahweh existed in a state uh, that we liken unto this cloud. That it's, in other words, the cloud does not have descriptive shape and form. 
And he used that analogy, and that's all it was. It was a type in a shadow or an, an analogy to talk about how Yahweh exists in a state called pure spirit, that he called pure spirit, and that in that state, Yahweh is incomprehensible and inscrutable, meaning that you're not able to grasp what that state is like. You're not able to grasp the enormity of it either. That Yahweh is infinite knowledge, infinite wisdom, and intelligence, and love, and beauty, and justice, and foundation, power, and strength. That those attributes are in an infinite state in that uh, uh, pure, pure spirit state. And it is impossible for you to grab the enormity of all the knowledge that exists in Yahweh. Now, because of that, he is incomprehensible. And there, here's why you can't scrutinize him, and Doc used to talk about this, that you'd have to be able to step outside of him and turn around and look back to see his shape. He said, but you can't do that. You can't get outside of Yahweh. And that's because there is no, there is no outside of Yahweh. Now, even that simple statement is incomprehensible to us who are uh, in a finite state and also in a state where we are we inhabit time, which means we don't even understand what eternity is really. Now, what I want you to know is this, that Yahweh being with as uh, wise uh, that he wanted to accomplish his purpose, he knew that he was going to have to manifest these attributes in a limited manifestational sense to try to get across what he is in that pure spirit state. Now, that's why he took on a lesser form of himself, that shape and form that was seen on top of Mount Sinai, which was Yahweh Elohim. And at the top of the chart, it says Elohim, the archetype original pattern of the universe, that Yahweh constructed a, uh, put together the divine attributes in a state that became a pattern, that became a pattern of salvation and was going to be manifested by the tabernacle that would be constructed. So the, what it says in Romans 119 is that because that which may be known of Yahweh, you can't know everything about Yahweh, but you can know something about Yahweh in that state. Right. And how are you able to do that? Keep reading 19 again and then 20. Because that which may be known of Yahweh is manifest in them. For it's got to be manifested. It's got to be manifested. Whatever can be known about Yahweh has to be manifested. That's my point. Right. Because you can't know pure principle. You need to see a manifestation in order to understand the principle. Keep reading. For Yahweh hath showed it unto them for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. Now watch, the invisible things of Yahweh is spirit. Spirit right. is invisible, or those attributes. That's what spirit is. That is incomprehensible and inscrutable to you in that pure spirit state. But whatever was invisible, now read 20 again, because the invisible things of him. From the creation of the world. Why, from the, seen. why from the creation of the world? Because the creation is the manifestation of Yahweh's right. state of pure spirit. Therefore, that 
state that is now inscrutable and incomprehensible by virtue of the Holy Spirit opening up these mysteries to you and causing you to receive a revelation is showing you a manifestation of what is in pure spirit so that you can understand something about Yahweh in that state by the manifestation. So it says for the invisible things, those are the things that can't be seen, that can't be in described or can't be uh, scrutinized. By, for the invisible things of him from the creation. Now, I'm not even going to say just the world, because all things in this purpose have been created. In other words, Yahweh Elohim, when Yahweh took on shape and form as Yahweh Elohim, Dr. Kinley used to say that Yahweh then went out of the creating business, meaning that was the only thing that pure spirit brought forth as a creation. Now, from there, all power... All authority was handed over to that incorporeal state of Yahweh. That's, in that state, Yahweh Elohim created everything in the, in the angelic creation and the physical creation was created by him. Everything that's created is a manifestation of something invisible. Now, that goes for Elohim himself. Elohim is a manifestation of the Father Yahweh. And later we find out that he was also a manifestation in that physical embodiment of Yahshua the Messiah. Dr. Kinley in the textbook says that Yahweh uh, 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 possessed the power of transmutation and transmuted into an uh, uh, incorporeal form and then into a physical form. Uh, they were the manifestations. Uh, you can read it in there. We talks about they're manifesting him. So what's the sense of having a manifestation if you could never comprehend the principle? Right. The principle is the point of the manifestation. Now, I, I, I try to get it across another way, too. When you went to school, the, the point wasn't to get you to understand you got four apples in your lunch bucket. When they say you got two apples here, we're going to add two apples to it, and now you got four apples. He's oh, it's all about getting apples. No, it's about you comprehending a principle of mathematics, and the manifestation happens to be the apples that are being used to get across the principle of mathematics, because a four doesn't have shape and form unless you have a manifestation of four. So what I'm trying to show you is that Yahweh, in his purpose, is demonstrating himself to make himself known to his creatures. Now, he's inscrutable and incomprehensible to a carnal mind. He is not inscrutable and incomprehensible to the Holy Spirit. Get me, real quick, John 1.18. John 1 and 18. No man had seen Yahweh. Yahweh at any time. Right. Go ahead. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. Now, it says no man has seen Yahweh at any time. Absolutely true. In fact, Dr. Killian, in this one transcript called Explanation of the Godhead, he was, he was showing the error in the King James Bible 
uh, where it says, you know, no man has seen God, and then he took it over to Isaiah. In one of the chapters of Isaiah, it talked about the death of this king, and it supposedly uh, in there there was a mistranslation, and, and it was Isaiah saying, and I saw Yahweh. And Dr. Kinley said, no, that's wrong. No man has seen Yahweh at any time. Now, why? He said, no man has seen Yahweh. Oh, I'll read that 18 one more time. No man hath seen Yahweh at any time. Right. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. Now, here's what Doc said. No man has seen Yahweh at any time, but the Son who is in the bosom of Yahweh, sees him, he said, in this transcript, and he will declare him unto you. Yahshua sees the Father. You can't, but he can. Mm -hmm. Now, I want you to know that Yahshua's job is to do just that, to declare the Father. Get me Matthew eleven twenty seven. Matthew eleven twenty seven. And turning to his disciples, he said, All things are delivered unto me and my father. Now listen, that no was now when Yahshua's saying this, here he is walking in the flesh. But I want you to know that he's not talking about all things were delivered unto him now that I'm in the flesh. He's back there in the beginning of the purpose. You read over uh, Revelation, the first chapter, Yahshua tells John. I am the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Now, let's not forget this. Yahshua is the Holy Spirit in or out of a physical body. If I were to say to you, when was Yahshua born? You would say he was born on June 6th. Well, in the physical body, that physical body? Yes, you're right about that. But ultimately, there was an aspect of Yahshua before the physical body. He's the Holy Spirit. So when was the Holy Spirit born is the question. Right. Now, that spirit was born when Yahweh took on shape and form right within himself as Elohim. Elohim and Yahshua are the Holy Spirit. They're one and the same. And they were right back there. He was right back there in the beginning. Now, in the beginning, get me the elementary, the bedsheet elementary chart, please. I always call it the bedsheet because this was the original one was painted on a bedsheet. Now you see how back here we have the chart on the pattern or plan of salvation. Well, the first circle shows shape and form of Elohim there, and he's by himself, alone and by himself. Now, once we understand that from that state, he is bringing into existence down through the seven ages. Give me the uh, 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 chronology chart, please. Now, we have in the first age, angelic and physical creation. You see that in one age. Now, outside of that, to the left of where it says angelic, you see beginning. Yahshua said, I am the beginning in Revelation. Mm -hmm. He didn't say, I was there in the beginning. He said, I am the beginning and the ending. In other words, when Yahweh takes on that shape and form, now, now let me just see if I can say it like this, that Yahweh formulated the whole purpose in, his, in himself, but he is not committed to the purpose that he formulates till he takes on shape and form as Elohim. Now, we say that Elohim and Yahshua are the word. 
Well, once Yahweh takes on shape and form as Elohim, he has now given us his word. Now that word, because it is impossible for Yahweh to lie, must go forth and cannot come back void. Isaiah 55, 11 says, So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish whereunto I have sent it. Now, what I want you to know is that Yahshua was given power over all things back there in the beginning. Therefore, he creates both the angelic and physical creation. Every creature, every aspect of creation is under his power or domain, if you will. Now, what I want you to know is that what's going on here is he's got to accomplish the purpose that Yahweh set up within himself, which is ultimately this that you might come to know something about Yahweh. Our first aim, to help you find to know Yahweh. Well, where are you getting the help from? And we say, well, my, you know, my dean's giving me help, or uh, Dr. Kinley's giving me help. Listen, they wouldn't be able to give you help unless Yahshua helped them to have something to help you with. So in other words, it's the Holy Spirit that you're getting your help from, ladies and gentlemen, because when Yahweh took on that shape and form, that form was the beginning, the firstborn of every creature. Therefore, he is the beginning of the purpose of Yahweh to cause those creatures that are going to be chosen by Yahweh to learn and know something about him, which will then equate to eternal life. Because John 17, 3, that this is life eternal, that they might know Yahweh and Yahshua, whom he has sent. That's what we have to do is learn the purpose. Dr. Kinley did make this statement. He said, you cannot be saved if you, unless you know the purpose of Yahweh. Now, the whole thing we're learning down here that he's taught us right from the get-go in having classes was he's teaching us the purpose of Yahweh. Now, let's go back over quick again to the bedsheet chart, please. Uh, elementary, I'm sorry. Now, here we got... Uh, we got Yahweh Elohim in the beginning, here the first single, uh, uh, circle. But when the Messiah comes in and accomplishes salvation there at the cross, which is the fourth circle, then we are going forth in the purpose to receive now revelation, understanding of everything that took place before Yahshua, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, and outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That outpouring of the Holy Spirit was the ascension the descension was coming down from pure spirit into the physical, then, then the ascension is going back up from the physical to the incorporeal, eventually back to Yahweh in pure spirit. Now we see at the last circle, there's Yahshua surrounded in his kingdom with all of the creatures now that have received the Holy Spirit. Now what is, is crucial is that what makes you then to be blessed of his father is that you have now come to some knowledge and understanding of him. Uh, Matthew eleven twenty seven, please. Matthew eleven twenty seven, And turning to his disciples, he said, All things are delivered unto me of my Father. Go ahead. And no man, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father. You can't even he know the Son by yourself. You can't say, well, you know... Uh, let me use an example. Do you know? You remember when after Yahshua was baptized by John the Baptist, and then all of a sudden you read over there where Peter, James, John, one of them were saying, "Hey, 
we have found him of whom Moses and the prophets did right. Now, that was as wrong as two left shoes. Well, you say, why is that? Because you don't find Joshua. He's not lost. He finds you. And I remember mm -hmm. Dr. Kinley talking about this, that you don't find him. He finds you. You're the one that was in darkness and you were lost. And he's the one that comes in and gets you out of that state. Now, what I want you to see is that when they say they found Joshua, John the Baptist pointed him out to them. Don't forget this. What was in John the Baptist? It was the Holy Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit gave witness to Joshua, who is the Holy Spirit, and Joshua said to John, John, it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness, he didn't mean Jesus and John. He meant Holy Spirit and Holy Spirit. Now the Holy Spirit that was in John, once he accomplished his purpose to point out the Messiah or the Lamb, he lost the Holy Spirit then. Well, what do you mean he lost it? It was taken from him, and that was given unto Yahshua, that portion. Yahshua has to fulfill receiving a double portion of the Spirit because that's what happened back there in your scriptures. And I don't want to I don't want to take time to go into that right now. But what I want you to see is that Yahshua then becomes the only one that has the Holy Spirit once he begins his ministry and the only one that has righteousness. Now, uh, therefore, John, after that, after he lost the Holy Spirit, because remember, John was still under the Old Covenant. And back there, the Holy Spirit was not permanent in any man. It was only temporary until Yahweh caused them to do what he needed, done through them, and then that point the Spirit left them so that they also were in need of salvation and in need of being redeemed by Yahshua the Messiah. Now, you remember John the Baptist, when they went to visit him in jail, his, his uh, followers, he said, is he the one or shall we look for another? Because he had lost that after the Spirit left him. Now, what I want you to understand is that that was back there before Pentecost. That was under the Old Covenant. All the manifestations had to be set up back there from Adam all the way down to the time of Yahshua the Messiah and Pentecost. Why? Because the manifestations are a great cloud of witnesses to the spiritual principles that are being opened up to you in this teaching. And we go back to get those things back there uh, because it's necessary without you seeing the manifestation, you can't comprehend the spiritual principle because the manifestation's purpose is to point to the principle. Now, when we say, uh, for an example, Dr. Kelly said, make me prove it, we didn't know how to make him prove anything. He had to teach us how you prove things. He had to show us how the law and the prophets were setting up witnesses to the doctrine that was now being taught. And then we realized that we got to go back, as he, well, realized, he told us that we had to go back to the law and the prophecy. And, and as you come to class, you're not going to learn about all that great cloud in one class. You're going to take a lifetime for you to, you know, going through learning and learning and learning and seeing how this pointed to this and this pointed to that and so on. We'll never exhaust all those witnesses that are back there in the law and the prophets. Now, when they said, what, you remember when they read the apostles said over there, I think it's in the last few chapters or last chapter of John, they said, it might be Matthew, I don't remember. They said, if, if, if we wrote all the things that he did, there wouldn't be enough room for the books. 
because Yahshua came to fulfill all of those witnesses. But you're not going to understand or, or be able to grasp the enormity of that great cloud of witness. But you have enough witnesses to break down that hard heart of yours and that hard head of yours. Now, uh, that's what I'm getting to. Now, let's go over real quick to Deuteronomy. I want you to go to Deuteronomy, the 10th chapter, please. And hang on, I'll tell you where... Uh, Let's see here. Uh, hang on, it's in 10. Mm -hmm. Let me go down, it's down a little bit further. In there he says, and what doth Yahweh require of you? Somebody wants to help me out. Oh, that's in 12. It's in 12? 10 and 12, yeah, 10 and 12. Go ahead, I want, want to start there. Deuteronomy 10 and 12. And now, Israel, what doth Yahweh thy Elohim require of thee? But to fear Yahweh thy Elohim, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, and to serve Yahweh thy Elohim with all thy heart and with all thy soul. Now, Yahweh requires, first of all, that you fear him. Now, the word fear there means to respect him, to have absolute respect and reverence towards him. And listen, in Proverbs, the first chapter, it says the fear of Yahweh is the beginning of knowledge. Now, he wants us to fear him. He wants us to love him. You can't love somebody you don't know. You can, you can be enamored with them. And people say, oh, I love this person, that person, like some celebrity that you never met before. Oh, I just love this person. You know, you like their movies and stuff. Next thing you know, they find out they're a mass murderer. You cannot really love somebody the kind of love, the genuine, true love, without knowing that person. And that's what we do when we have uh, our love between uh, our husband and a wife. They have come to know each other to the point where they trust each other. They, they, uh, uh, they get one another, I'll use that term. They understand uh, the way you are and the little idiosyncrasies and all that thing, and you trust each other with your heart, and you open your heart to each other. That's true love, ladies and gentlemen, and it's based on an inward thing, not an outside thing. And he wants us to serve him because uh, Lester talked about how they had to come up and serve Yahweh at that mountain. And they have to uh, serve Yahweh them with all their heart, with all their soul. Love him, serve him with all their heart and soul. Now, here's the problem. I want you to go down a little further to verse 16. Right. Deuteronomy 10, 16. Circumcise, therefore, the foreskin of your heart, and be no more stiff-necked. Now, Yahshua, I mean, Yahweh Elohim commands Israel back there to circumcise the foreskin of their heart. Well, number one, Israel doesn't even understand what the foreskin of their heart is. To cut it away. Number two, they're not capable of removing the foreskin of their heart. Now, the foreskin of the heart, ladies and gentlemen, is their carnal mind and hard hearts. That carnal carnality, ladies and gentlemen, that they have, and that carnal-minded thinking, and that uh, stiff-necked pride that will not allow them to be corrected or admit they're wrong, that's got to go. That doesn't work with your Creator. What works with Yahweh is a humble and contrite spirit. Therefore, th those things have to have uh, have to happen in order for you 
to receive the inheritance. Now, let's go over for a minute to Deuteronomy 30 and 6. Deuteronomy 30 and 6. And Yahweh thy Elohim will circumcise thy heart and the heart of thy seed to love Yahweh thy Elohim with all thy heart and now, with all thy soul. Now, we read that Yahweh said, what does he require of you? That you love him and serve him with all your heart. Then he tells him to circumcise the foreskin because that can't happen. What he commanded him there to serve, uh, to uh, fear him, uh, to love him, to serve him. With, uh, what we read in that, 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 that one verse there can't happen unless the heart is circumcised. So a couple verses down, he tells them to circumcise the foreskins of their heart, which they're unable to do. Now, in the 30th chapter, he then says, I will circumcise your heart to love me. See, in other words, Yahweh's got to do the circumcision, and he's doing it through Yahshua. Now, go to Deut uh, uh, Joshua, the 5th chapter. And I want you to uh, pick up there where Yahweh commands Joshua to circumcise the children again a second time. To, and tell them yeah, what you're reading. Yeah, that would be verse 2. Joshua 5 and 2. What 5 and At what? That, 5 and 2. All right, go ahead. You want me to pick it up at 1, though? Oh, go ahead. Okay, okay Joshua 5 and 1. And it came to pass when all the kings of the Amorites, which were on the side of Jordan westward, and all the kings of the Canaanites, which were by the sea, heard that Yahweh had dried up the waters of Jordan from before the children of Israel until we were passed over, that their heart melted. Neither was their spirit in them anymore because of the children of Israel. Mm -hmm. At that time, Yahweh said unto Joshua, Make these sharp lives and circumcise again the children of Israel the second time. Now watch, watch. First of all, why does he tell Yahshua to do it? Why doesn't he say, have all the men go over there and get a good sharp knife and cut away the foreskins? He commands Yahshua to do it. Why? To show that you are incapable of circumcising your own heart. It takes Yahshua to perform the circumcision. And this is when they're over there ready to take, uh, take over the land of Canaan and receive their inheritance. And I'm trying to show you your inheritance is to have eternal life and to receive an immortal glorified body uh, at the close of this age. And you can't get that inheritance without being circumcised by Yahshua. So keep reading a little bit further. I'm not going to work with this whole thing because I don't have enough time. Keep reading. Verse 3. And Joshua made him sharp knives and circumcised the children of Israel at the hill of the foreskin. Go ahead. No, I don't want to read. The, I don't want to read the next verse because I don't have time to explain it. So what I want you, to, I just wanted to make the point that Yahshua has to do the circumcising. Now, mm -hmm. here's what we got. We've got a situation where we understand that Yahweh told him in Deuteronomy the tenth chapter, and be no more stiff-necked. Now, stiff-necked mm -hmm. means stubborn, won't yield to the truth, won't accept chastisement or correction. This is the problem. Israel was hard-hearted and hard and that's why when 
the spies went over and came back, and then 10 of the spies said, no, we can't take that land. There's giants up there. And then Joshua got up after and said, listen, Yahweh promised us this land. He'll fight for us, and we will subdue the land. And then the people said, stone him. They wanted to stone Joshua because he was telling them that not to fear and to go up there. Well, Yahweh disinherited every one of them because, as it says in Hebrews, the fourth, the third, fourth, chap, fourth chapter, it, uh, I think it was, or the third, one of the two, he said that, uh, that they uh, had an evil heart of unbelief. Now, in order to believe, they need to have that hard-hearted circumcised. Let's get that. I got to get that. Get into Hebrews, the third chapter. Okay. And I want you to pick up, uh, let me go over there with you. Sasha, you know where it's at? <laughs> it's verse 19, 3 and 19. It's, all right. 3 19. Go ahead. All right. You got it. Okay. I have it. Yes. Okay. Um, Hebrews 3 and 19. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. All right. I wait a minute. We got to go up. Nope. We don't want to start at 19. We want to start at. 17, 16, Ooh, uh, 14. <laughs> what do we want, 14? Yeah. 14 or 15, yeah. yeah 14. All right, go ahead, Hart, go ahead. 14. For <laughs> no, we nope. are all made nope, nope, stop, I found it. So start at 11. Oh, okay. <laughs> First, okay, Hebrews 3 and 11. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Now, this is recounting, I see the five minutes. This is recounting that oh they are, uh, 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 what happened back at Mount Sinai, Paul is recounting that. Keep reading. 12, take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living Elohim. Now, that's what was in the people back there. They had an evil heart of unbelief. And Yahshua, I mean, Paul is now uh, saying, uh, admonishing them that they do not have, uh, do what they did back there under the law and harden their hearts to hearing the truth and not believing it. And, and we know that they were disinherited, they didn't enter into their rest. And what we read in the next chapter of 4.1, let us therefore fear lest a promise being left of us of entering into his rest, any of you should come to sh uh, come short of it. For unto you was, was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard. Now I want you to understand that when you have a hard heart, when you have a stiff neck, and you have, you're uncircumcised, you are that way because that is what Yahweh considers a Gentile. You're uncircumcised. You need to be circumcised. That circumcision has to be done by Yahshua, where he cuts away that pride, that arrogance, that stiff-neckedness from you so that you can accept correction or chastisement, which is what we read in our scripture reading tonight. When you're compassed about by so great a cloud of witnesses, do not resist those witnesses. And do not harden yourself to not believe what's being said. What you need is Yahshua 
And this is why he, how he does this. When these things are preached and these witnesses are shown, he has to give you the heart to receive it. In Ezekiel 36, 24, he said, I will sprinkle clean water upon you. The clean water is the preaching of the gospel. And a new heart will I give you. Now, when the gospel is preached, Joshua had to give you that heart. And then he has to put that spirit in right with that heart to cause you to have an understanding of what was spoken. First, he has to, the God, you have to sit up and hear the gospel. And while you're sitting right there on a chair, you can get that new heart that causes you to take low, to be able to humble yourself and accept correction. And Joshua's opening up your understanding to what these things are that is causing you to become captive against your own will. It's the Holy Spirit that causes you to believe, not you with your little carnal mind walking in there dead on arrival with a satanic spirit, a physical body, and a, and a carnal mind deciding whether you're going to accept or believe this teaching. You, Doc said you need divine help to see this thing, and you need divine help not to see it. Now, unless Yahshua opens these things up to you and causes your heart to be humble and contrite to receive them, you will do the same thing that those Jews did back there at Mount Sinai. They remained stiff-necked and hard-hearted and were uncircumcised. Without circumcision, you don't get the Holy Spirit, ladies and gentlemen. And Yahshua has to do that. He has to cut away that foreskin of the heart, that hard-heartedness, mm -hmm. and give you a tender heart. A heart, as it says over there in Ezekiel, I will take away the stony heart and give you a, a heart of flesh, meaning a tender heart, a, a heart that it can feel something and can receive. And that's what happens to us, ladies and gentlemen. We just know when we hear this and he opens it up to us that we never knew these things before and that we've been wrong. And we're willing to accept that. And In fact, we come back for more. Right. We find ourselves coming back more, and I've been in classes where I got severely chastised and thought, man, that was one of the best classes I ever went to. I feel great that I've been corrected, that I now understand these things, that I see these things. Listen, no, no chastisement seems joyous, but grievous. But nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of, un, uh, of righteousness to them that are exercised thereby. You need that correction. You need to be circumcised by the Holy Spirit, and then you become, as it were, one with Yahshua's heart. You are receiving his heart, ladies and gentlemen. That's the heart he's writing his law, his spirit law. And that first tables of stone that came down from the mountain, there was no place to be found for those. Those were broken. Therefore, Yahweh told Moses, Yahweh told Moses to bring up two stones from below. Those stones were from above and they were not able to receive it. But the ones from below that Moses brought up, which were in the shape of a heart, is showing him bringing their hearts up and Yahweh's going to write in their heart. Therefore, under the new covenant, he said, I will put my spirit in you and I will write my law in your hearts. That's happening while you're sitting right on a chair. You're not going to deliberate about this. You are quickened. You can receive the Holy Spirit instantaneous before you even have time to deliberate and think about it. You know this is the truth, and you believe it in your heart. And you know that you're never going to be able to walk away from it. So I hope you got something out of that. I, I'm sorry I had to rush it. Thank you all for the opportunity. 
Peace in Yashra. I'll hand it back to the moderator. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And thank you, Dr. Fulke. Now at this time, the Charlotte, North Carolina Bible class would like to thank all of our brethren, visitors, and friends for taking the time out to come and study with us and hope that you will come back and study with us again. Our class is held on Mondays at 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Zoom participants, please remain muted until the host has ended our YouTube broadcast. Now we will conclude tonight's class with the doxology taken from the last two books of Jude. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise Elohim, our Savior, through Yahshua the Messiah, our Sovereign, belong glory and majesty, dominion and power, both before all time, now and ever. Let us all say hallelujah. Hallelujah.